You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 55, The Not-So-Super Bowl. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 55 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Maddie Petrie. Hello, Brian. Well, today we're going to talk a little uh, movie news today. There's been some articles that have come out about the future of the Marvel-Fox merger. It's a couple of things that came out that we can talk about today. There was some other movie trailer news and some other movie news that's come out. And, of course, we do want to talk about, since this Sunday will be the mid-season premiere of Walking Dead. We'd like to talk a little bit about that and what we can expect. But first off, let's start with the Super Bowl commercials. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top to bottom, just wasn't that good, was it? It wasn't. It definitely, you know, wasn't what I think is, you know, the par for the course of yeah. Super Bowl commercials. They were okay, well, a lot of that had to do with, I mean, it just seemed like top to bottom, this just wasn't a really good Super Bowl. If you were into the game, it was a slow, low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. If you were into the halftime show, the halftime show wasn't all that well, plus the fact that they decided to troll the internet on the halftime show. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a petition, mm-hmm. you know, since SpongeBob SquarePants, the, cre- uh, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, passed away last year. That uh, there's an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants where he sings this song called Victory. It's mm-hmm. a sports song. And there was a petition. And they at- do it at a football game. And exactly. they're wearing uh, band uniforms and he's singing it. It's a real, it's a good halftime show right. for animation. <laughs> right. And so huge petition, tons of signatures. I may have signed it. I can't remember. Yeah. It was a while back. I may have signed that petition, Brian. So it had been, well, here's the thing it wasn't so bad that they decided just not to do it they started it up to make it look like they were going to do it and mm-hmm. then just cut it off and boy what i was very disappointed in that 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 was just trolling yeah. is what that was so. yeah it was a rather dick move yeah. on their parts <laughs> yeah yes. pretty much so mm-hmm. but let's talk about the super bowl commercials especially the ones that we geeks were looking forward to yeah even i mean the trailers that we got we didn't get anything new that we haven't seen in the yeah. past trailers. Yeah, I mean, we definitely got seen. I mean, we got scenes that we hadn't seen before, but there there weren't anything that we were like, oh wow. And of course, the internet's been picking these apart like crazy, just trying to get some sort of a nugget out of it. And I think the only thing that I've seen online about the Endgame trailer is it definitely looks like in a couple of places you have a group of people, the Avengers, and it looks like somebody has been edited out in two different places. So there may be a spoiler there that there's somebody who's going to be there. They didn't want them to know. Of course, Marvel has always been prone, especially in the Avengers films, to play around with the scenes and change them so that they're not exactly what they are in the movies. Or they even film scenes that are not there. If you remember Infinity War, you have that scene of several Avengers, including the Hulk and, of course, in Wakanda, running along. And, of course, that scene is nowhere to be found in the movie. But, you know, they have no problem with tweaking the scenes around a little bit so that they're not exactly the exact same thing or... Filming scenes that don't exist, just to kind of throw everybody off. Mm-hmm. But 
the trailers didn't really give you anything that I like. I said, I mean, if you weren't excited, they're not going to make you any more excited. Mm-hmm. But it kind of shows how much money Marvel has because normally, you know, when you put a trailer out at the Super Bowl, I mean, you yeah. you go all out because it's so expensive. But you know, Marvel's got so much money at this point, they don't care. So, I just really feel like they recut their original trailer clips together in a different way and just slap them into a new commercial and. Yeah, I feel like the I wow. Feel like they weren't trying. The wow factor definitely was not there. I have to say, as as far as the commercials go, the ones that that I was interested in, of course, was the double shot of Jordan Peele that we got. Yeah, the first one is we got a a trailer for us, and it gave us a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this film. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I really enjoyed was the trailer they did for Twilight Zone. Yes. And I like the way that they set that up because it looks like they were going back to the game and then you see these glitches and then suddenly you're in the empty stadium and you have Jordan Peele. You hear that voice and that yeah. intro and uh, although it was very much an homage as well to Outer Limits. Right. Yes, that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with your television sets. Yes. Yep. That was a lot of fun and I enjoyed that. But And there were some interesting surprises, I would say, mm-hmm. in the commercials. The Handmaid's Tale commercial they did, I thought was really interesting. Yes. Uh, morning is over. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, what you thought was a Bud Light commercial that turned into a Game of Thrones commercial. <laughs> kind of both. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I think that was the only, I mean, in the past, they've had these strange little crossovers between brands, mm-hmm. like the Energizer battery. Back in the day, did a bunch of crossover commercials, but we did get Game of Thrones. Is that uh, just a really interesting way of bringing that in? And, of course, I enjoyed the little snippets they did for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we just got little, maybe even teaser style mm-hmm. uh, Scary Stories to, to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. And so I had recognized some of them. You know, Harold the, the Scarecrow, I knew him. And the, the Don't Scratch It. Right. I, I remember that one. Some of the others, I can't remember. I'm going to have to go back and read Scary Stories again yeah. to remember those. But, oh, did we get anything for Progeny? I can't remember if we got that, but we were talking at one point of time about this could be the year of scary children, you yeah. know, or, you know, one of the years of scary children yeah. um, that us and Progeny and a uh, couple of scary kid movies coming up. So. Right. So now let me ask you, of all the commercials, uh, were there any commercials that you just flat out hated that you um, could think of? No, I was so indifferent to all of them. There was none that I really like, oh, I don't ever want to see that commercial again. You know, no, pretty much indifferent apathy is what I can describe. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to say, I think maybe hate would be a too strong a term for it. But I was not the biggest fan of the Stella Artois commercial, the beer commercial. Oh, with the Sex in the City and uh, and the Big Big Lebowski. Lebowski. Yeah. I mean, I will never be upset with Jeff Bridges getting a check, but... (laughs) I just hated seeing the dude used in a commercial. Uh-huh. I love that film. It's one of my favorite films. Oh. And mm-hmm. and seeing the dude in a commercial, it just like it just I, mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel right to me. So if they did that intentionally to maybe reboot and get people excited for like a sequel, would you be okay with that, or do you feel that because if it was mainstream, if it didn't have its cult following, would it be the same as the original? Well, I'll have to say this. They teased this commercial, and it looked like they were going to be doing a a sequel, possibly, because you see the dude 
And you're like, they're going to do a sequel to Big Lebowski? And the fact you're not getting it, in a sense, I feel kind of trolled. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why I'm upset about it, because it's uh, it's just a commercial. Like I said, uh-huh. Jeff Bridges, give this guy checks all day. He's certainly earned every check that he's got coming his way. I just, well, like I said, I just wasn't the biggest fan of using the dude in a commercial, mm-hmm. especially that type of a character. But... Yeah, it is what it is. But I tell you, the one thing we did not get at the Super Bowl this year that a lot of people were hoping we would get is a trailer or at least a teaser or at least an idea of what the title is going to be for the new Star Wars movie. Oh, no. Episode Hmm. 9. You're right. A lot of people were thinking that we were going to at least get some sort of a teaser that was going to give us the name of of the movie, you know, which is coming in December. And I think the closest they've ever cut it was like maybe like six months or so. But we haven't seen anything yet, and I would have thought that we would have seen something. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Disney couldn't afford a third commercial, but, you know, the D23 event is coming up here soon, and they're probably going to at least drop the name of the movie then, and po- we possibly might see a trailer there at D23, and of course it'll eventually make its way to the internet. But, yeah, a lot of people were really disappointed we didn't see that. So mm-hmm. I-, I think if there's a word... That can describe the Super Bowl from top to bottom. It's disappointing. Disappointing. Pretty much. So there were a couple of articles that came out this week about the upcoming Marvel-Fox merger. Because in the next month or so, the merger is going to go through and the final paperwork will be signed. And then the process can begin to actually meld these two companies. Which normally, I mean, there's been big mergers before, but never like the same business merging themselves together. I mean, AT&T bought Time Warner. It's kind of two different businesses. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Marvel's going to be using a lot of the resources they're getting from Fox to expand their reach as far as media going into television and that sort of thing. But basically, you've got two movie companies that are becoming one movie company. Now, one of the articles I read... They were talking about Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, and the conference call he had with stockholders this week. And one thing that came up was, what are they going to do with these R-rated movies like Deadpool? I mean, how are they going to handle this? And Bob Iger indicated that, hey, these R-rated movies are doing well. They make money. We should just keep making money with them. That's the one thing with Fox is they were able to get into that R-rated market first with Deadpool. And once Deadpool proved that there was a market for this, then, of course, you get movies like Logan. Right. And that did very well. And I think, you know, Bob Iger is not looking to not make money on something. So it looks like they're going to continue this. And they're not they're not as worried as much as people are going to get these properties confused and they're going to going to see Deadpool and be like, why is this an R-rated movie? You know, Marvel movies aren't R-rated. Is that if they worked as different entities with two different studios, that when they do it together, people are not going to be confused. They're going to understand that there's a difference, even though, in a way, though, they may be able to still work in the same world. And you might see Deadpool appear in some other Marvel movies. So Now, as far as the R-rated television stuff goes, there's talk, of course, they might move a lot of that stuff to Hulu. Since they are getting Hulu, and and a lot of that type of material works really well on Hulu. Like we said, and we talked about this before on the podcast, it's not like we think that Daredevil is going to be coming back or Punisher, which is a shame because they're great shows, but at least they may be able to explore some darker themes on television with Hulu. Mm -hmm. So 
if they don't feel comfortable having it on the Disney Plus channel, where they'll have these other shows, then they can maybe put them out on Hulu and that'll be fine. So Now, the other article that I read was out of the Hollywood Reporter. That was um, February the 6th. And the name of the article, the title of the article, was Anxiety, AWOL Executives, and Bloodshed. How Disney is making 21st Century Fox disappear. Wow. It was rough. Reading what's going on behind the scenes at 21st Century Fox, I can understand why they're very stressed out. Because as of right now, it's like I said, there's never been a merging of two similar companies together on this scale before. And so 21st Century Fox, they realize, well, they're they're being absorbed by Disney, but who's keeping their job and who isn't? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, right now, they don't know. Because Disney's still working it out. But top to bottom at uh, 21st Century Fox, people are going to lose their jobs, and they're probably not going to know until the last minute. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are going to be getting some really nice severance packages up to four weeks of pay from four weeks to two years of severance pay, depending upon how long they've been with the company and, and all of that. So there's a, a nice chunk of money you might be getting if you wind up being fired. But, you know, it's like nobody knows if their job's secure at this right. point. And so that I can understand why you'd be kind of worried. It's like, am I going to have a job in six months? I don't know. And jobs in Hollywood, they're hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So you lose a job in a studio. It's not like, you know, you just go down uh, to the next studio and, and those jobs are limited. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why there's a huge worry right now at uh, 21st Century Fox. And I think the term bloodshed is pretty apropos because it's going to be a culling, definitely. And, but I guess we will see when we will see. Right. Couple of other movie things that I wanted to talk about today is they've been doing test screenings for Avengers Endgame. Have you been reading anything about that? No. Well, they've been doing a lot of test screenings, and the test screenings have been very positive. Okay. But the big news is this these test screenings are for three hour cuts. I did read somewhere that they were considering a an intermission, and they're bringing back Gone with Wind for its 80th anniversary, and you know there's an intermission in that. Right. So I would kind of like to see how audiences respond to an intermission. Yeah, well, these test screenings right now at three hours, they're not, they haven't been doing intermissions, but here's what they've said. Nobody's been going to the bathroom during the showings. Hmm. So apparently it's gripping enough that people are like, I can hold it. I will wait. Hmm. But at three hours, obviously, this is the longest Marvel movie ever. I'm not a fan when they split movies. Mm-hmm. Or, Well, I guess for me, the one that that stands out to me is uh, Harry Potter book seven. Right. Um, to me, Harry Potter book six would have been the movie to split up. I really feel like we were cheated out in that movie. Uh, there was so much more that we needed out of out of the sixth movie than we got. And the seventh movie, or seventh, could have been done in one film, I feel. That's just my little fangirl opinion. It's not, uh, so mm-hmm. I would not uh, be happy about Endgame 1 and Endgame 2. Yeah, because you'd want to put at least six months worth of space to a year between episodes. And the thing is, they're so packed at this point, especially now that you've got Spider-Man Far From Home coming out. Splitting it would be very difficult to do mm-hmm. because Spider-Man lives through it, so it's only, it's a spoiler at that aspect. But and of course, Far From Home takes place literally minutes after the end of Endgame, mm-hmm. so it's not like Sony's going to hold off and not release Spider-Man. So you're kind of having to do that situation where you're going to have to show the whole movie now, whether they yeah. split it up as uh, and put an intermission in it. 
I'm not sure. Apparently, they've been testing it without the intermission, and no one seemed to have complained about it. <laughs> this might be a make sure you go before you go in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or wear your adult diapers. It got me to thinking, really, the inciting incident, as far as screenplays go, was fairly recently. And I, I think it was... Because when people used to go to the movies, they would play one movie all day long. And people mm-hmm. would go to the movies and they would go into the movie uh, like 20 minutes after it started. It really wasn't until Psycho when Alfred Hitchcock said, you have to watch this from the beginning to the end. Yeah. That that was the first time people really started taking the beginnings of movies seriously. Uh, so you don't want to miss a second of these movies. That's kind of what that reminded me of. and. When they sort of stopped doing intermissions, just, you know, the big musicals had them. But I'd be interested to see a movie nowadays with an intermission. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw in a theater that actually had an intermission to it. Now, I've been in double features where they did a Mm -hmm. brief intermission, but I can't really think of a movie uh, that I've seen recently that they've... Of course, I haven't seen a three-hour movie in, mm-hmm. in forever. If it was, it was probably a re-release, you know, from many a year ago in A Kingdom by the Sea, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they had trailers in between the two movies in Grindhouse, but a break to for people to leave, I don't think that was there. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling, if they've been test screening these movies the full three hours and no intermission that's probably what we're going to get so Mm. now talking about movies one other thing because this just dropped today as we're recording this is we've finally got a new trailer for pet cemetery yeah and before we talk about this i'm just going to say a lot of people were upset about it because they felt there was a real big spoiler in the trailer so geek watchers if you don't want to know this if you've been deliberately avoiding the trailer Check the time codes in the description and jump over to the next thing we're going to talk about and just just pass this over because we are going to talk about the trailer and, of course, the the spoiler in it. So this is your last chance. Now we're in spoiler territory. Wow, Brian. I mean, that was a major, major change. Yes. From the book, from the original movie, from the radio drama. That was a big, huge change. And, of course, that change being is instead of Gage being the one who was killed by the truck and buried in the, in the pet cemetery? It's his older sister. She's going to be the victim slash zombie mm-hmm. possessed corpse. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So when you saw that happen, when you saw her go after the cat, what did you think was happening? I, at that point, I was like, she's chasing the cat out into the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're switching her off. I was still kind of like, is this going to be a dream sequence? Is it a swerve? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like. What is going on? And then you see, you know, her little feet uh, all zombified. And I'm like, wow, I'm really surprised that they made. And how did they keep that secret, Brian? How, yeah. have they, how have they been filming this for, you know, so long and kept that secret? Yeah, which obviously there's no point in doing it because they gave it away in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm not sure if this is something you necessarily wanted to give away in the trailer. I think I would have preferred that they left us hanging on this. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been a shock to people who were fans of, of the original movie and the book as mm-hmm. well, because we would not have seen it coming. No. It would have been a shock to us. And also, I mean, I can think of reasons why to do this, because it's probably still going to be an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. But it might be a hard R if you kill a little kid. Yeah, well, I was... But that was, to yeah. me, that was a lot of the narrative drive and the punch in this, that punch in the gut when yeah. the little boy dies. And there's something, you know, 
in the original movie, when they did it, you know, it was about that, that loss and everything. But as you know, in the books, the zombies that come back, there's so much more than they could do with a toddler when they were filming. Right. Um, he comes back and he is telling his mom and his dad their sins from the past. And he's like, just putting them through hell. It's like, remember when you wanted your sister to die? So what do you think about that, mommy? What do you think about that? And so they really couldn't film that. So I think in the original film, there was... The horror of it was losing your child. It was losing your child twice, the sense of loss. Mm. In this, where where you can have an older child, an older actor, put this on, I think you can get more of that psychological hell. Yeah. And this girl can, can bring that back with hers, you know, and not just a fear of losing your child, but then reminding, being reminded of your past sins. That was the idea that... The people who came back, they came back wrong, as in they came back from hell and brought all of its secrets. Right. So I can see why they would why they would do that. Yeah, and I mean that scene in the trailer is like hug your daughter. Yes. Was creepy as all get out. The other thing too that you get out of this is now that Gage is still alive, he becomes a narrative anchor for the mm-hmm. for the parents because not only do they have to think about themselves, but now they gotta protect this this little child that does not know any better. Exactly. And that's I guess that's another thing is uh when they did the original movie, uh what do you do with a child who in a sense is playing? You know, do you want to play mommy? And that's what he finds fun now is is killing people. So uh you know, a child that has no empathy anymore. So that's that was the scary part there. Well, now we've got an older child who actually has, you know, vengeful and vindictive thoughts. And what are we going to get? And, you know, as I watched it and afterwards, I was thinking, thought, if you ever turned Pet Cemetery into a stage play, that'd be a good change to make and make it the older sibling. And then, and of course, and you know, in the book, in the movie, the daughter has sent away. So she's not a factor. And now we know the toddler's going to be there and he's going to be a factor in this. So you've got that so much it can have that really good oh yeah suspense there and just the point and certainly in the trailer it seems to indicate they're going to try to ingratiate her back into the family that she's going to be there for a while. I mean, she's not going to come back and just start killing people they're going to be trying de- especially the father is desperately going to be trying to get the daughter back in the family mm-hmm. when of course the mother's going to be like this is just too weird and so you're going to have that build up yeah i don't hate this mm-hmm. i just wish i didn't know about it i can, yeah i can see that so, you know like i would love to wipe my memory and go back and watch you know so many so many movies uh psycho is the first one i think like man if i could go back and watch psycho being completely ignorant i would love that, that so that i would can be see great. i can see that brian yeah i've always said that the one movie that i said uh the trailer completely ruined the movie for me would be the island yes uh the first time it came out one is parts of clonus horror yes <laughs> yeah the completely but, original. Yeah. Completely complete, original. Yes, but they show that in the trailer. And of course, the movie, in the movie, it's like, it's not toward the midpoint that they reveal that. It's supposed to be a mystery up to that point. But it ain't a mystery to anybody who saw the trailer. Right. So they wreck this film. It The trailer ruined the film because it, it gave away the major plot point of the movie in mm-hmm. the trailer. So I think another one uh, that 
I wouldn't have noticed it, but um, people were pointing out spoilers in trailers, and they showed uh, Soylent Green, and they said, well, look, you can see it right there, and you see bodies going up a uh, a conveyor belt, and I wouldn't have thought of that, because I wouldn't have known that that was a food factory. That's the sort of, you know, thing. Yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that, but yeah, definitely the island. Now we have Pet Cemetery, you know, giving away the movie in the trailer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a huge... In the island, it was a major plot point twist. I mean, the whole first half of the movie depended on the fact that nobody knew what was going on. They were trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. This, I, I think, with Pet Cemetery, it's not as egregious. Mm-hmm. Again, for people who don't want to know what this is, I get it, because I kind of wish I had known it myself. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of wish that this would not have been put in the trailer, that this could have been something we learned in the theater. But, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we can't go back. So it but is then thinking it is. about the people who uh, haven't seen the movie, haven't read the book they're never going to know. And I would kind of like to, you know, ask someone, like, what did you think of the trailer and see how they, what yeah. they, exactly what they think about it. But, you know, again, Brian, as we said, this is the year of the scary kid. You know, yeah. I don't think since The Ring and The Grudge have we had uh, as many scary kids as we get this year. So it's exciting. Well, you know, here's the thing. And I, even if you didn't know anything about the book or the movie or anything like that, if this were brand spanking new and, and nobody had any idea what was going to happen, I would have never in the world have said anything about any kids dying, whether it was the young boy or the older girl. I would have Mm -hmm. left that completely out of the trailer because the plot toward the end of the movie is where, I mean, that half point where you have that dramatic tension, it comes from the kid dying and the Mm -hmm. father figure, him thinking, oh my, I mean, I've got this, you know, I can bury her and bring her back. I would not have put that anywhere in the trailer. I would have emphasized how messed up the cat was Mm -hmm. and made that the threat. Because if you don't know what's coming, when that kid dies, it's horrendous. Mm -hmm. And there are other movies that have, I will say, there's a lot of twists and turns in Hereditary. And the trailer doesn't give any of them away. But you get the idea. There's stuff that happens in the movie that, like I said, they do not indicate. As bad as the trailer was, the Mm -hmm. movie was worse. (laughs) <laughs> but he was able to show what the mood of this film was without giving away a lot of the huge elements that happen in the movie. I think a trailer... Well, I will say this. In the 48 Laws of Power, one of the 48 Laws of Power is never go farther than you need for victory. And I think a trailer should do that. It should give you enough so that it entices you to come to the film mm-hmm. and not one step farther. Mm-hmm. Don't give away a lot of the exciting parts of the movie If you can show the mood of the film and you can attract people and entice them to come to the theater, go that far, but don't go any farther. Mm -hmm. And again, I think at the end of the day, you can debate whether or not the Pet Cemetery trailer went too far. Mm -hmm. And if it were me, I wouldn't have put anything in there about the child dying. So tell me, what do you think Stephen King feels about this, you know, the twist, the change? I haven't read any articles, but I've seen some hints online that he liked it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what What I was thinking was this novel came out the same year that the movie of Cujo came out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know, spoiler alert, in the book, Cujo, the little boy dies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we have this book come out about children dying and coming back. And then we're given a movie where the child's supposed to die, but changed the story to where he survives. And I had wondered if, you know, that had something to do with it. You know, we look at what this author is giving us and it's too much for us is seeing a child die. And uh, Stephen King uh, talked about 
of all the portrayals in his of that people have done in movies based on his books that D Wallace as a desperate mother was one of his favorite. Yeah. And so that could have had an influence when they made Cujo is reading this and seeing the loss of a child. It was like, that's too much. We got to. <laughs> well, you know, especially in his earlier works, if you were a child in a Stephen King novel, God help you, you were in a world of hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a lot of it had to do with Stephen King exploring because he was a new father. And exploring those feelings, those very contradictory feelings that he had that Fathers Knows Best didn't really prepare you for. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so few children really mentioned in the stand. Uh, really, think I can think of only two the little girl with the broken yeah. arm and Feral Joe. Well, that I, really I, were named. Well, to tell you, you know? the truth, I think the one book that he really investigated this father son and, and the strange uh, emotions that come about. up would be The Shining. Oh, okay. You know, I was thinking the gunslinger <laughs> with Roland and, well, that, and I mean, Jake. <laughs> I think that works too. But uh-huh. I think, I think especially, I think the nexus of where he was really trying to figure those feelings out had to be The Shining, because mm-hmm. you have that that father who loves his son but starts getting these really contradictory feelings about his son, mm-hmm. and so. But yeah, I think uh, I mean I'm still definitely looking forward to Pet Cemetery. Oh, yes, I think, absolutely. Like I said, revealing the change in the trailer, I probably would have preferred they didn't do it, but it's not going to ruin the movie for me. Mm-hmm. So, and it looks like there's going to be some elements in the film that are going that I think is going to make the story fresh. And so, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so, let's end today's podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Walking Dead because yes. It premieres, it premieres on AMC this Sunday. However, it is possible that, that even at the point that we're recording this episode, that there may be geek watchers out there who have already seen the episode. And the Ooh. reason for that is AMC has come out with a new service called AMC Premiere. It is an online service which allows you, if you have AMC cable or dish, that you can pay a little extra and you can get some extra content Plus, you can watch AMC shows on your devices. Mm-hmm. And to promote AMC Premiere, they're giving people who've signed up the ability to watch that first episode right now. Wow. And mm-hmm. so I'm assuming you you haven't seen it, and I yeah. haven't signed up for the service. I haven't seen it. So, But obviously, we're going to be talking from a point where we have not seen the episode. Now, people listening, you may have already seen the episode. And if it sounds like, well, didn't you... Why are you saying that this might happen? Because, I mean, didn't you see the episode? No, not yet. We will talk about it next week in What the Dead. What the Dead. But let me ask you, at this point, what are you hoping to see this this half season? Oh, I suppose just what's going to happen next. And, of course, it's going to set up the war with the Whisperers. Right. So, you know, want to learn a little bit more about them. Or maybe I don't, you know, from kind of what you've hinted at, maybe I don't want to know about the whispers, but I definitely need to see what kind of threat they are. Yeah. And, you know, exactly what's going to happen to our uh, survivors and uh, between the different villages. How are they going to come together to defeat this new threat? Yeah. Well, there's definitely a leadership vacuum at this point. And there have been, I have seen an early scene from this next episode that they've released online. That's basically Michonne and Daryl talking about who's going to be running things now. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, they've lost, 
they've lost Maggie at Hilltop and now Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this talk that maybe Daryl would take over as that in that leadership role. For people who've read the comics, when somebody like me says, well, you know, leadership may play a huge role in this next half season, I think people who read the comics are going to be like, yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of stuff is going to happen. If it happens in the show the same way that happened in the comics, well, there's <laughs> it's just not going to be. Let's just say it won't be good. Okay. And the leadership situation is going to further destabilize. We'll just say that. Things are going to get rougher for our uh, heroes. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the Super Bowl commercials. There was a Walking Dead commercial. Blinken, you missed it, but there was one there in the Super Bowl. I did miss it because I must have blinked. Yes. Mm -hmm. There was... I I didn't really even... uh, We didn't really talk about it. I mean, you get to see some of the characters uh, that we're familiar with, as well as a couple of the Whisperers, including Alpha. Mm -hmm. And so they're really playing up Alpha. I definitely, for this... Half season, AMC, and The Walking Dead, they really want to build up the Whispers mm-hmm. as a major threat, worse than anything they've ever faced before. And the Whispers, basically, they're they're putting them out as the Saviors meets the Walkers meets Leatherface, basically. <laughs> yeah. So they're messed up on a bunch of different levels. Mm-hmm. And so introducing us to these new characters and making them a really viable threat, I think, is going to be a big part of what they want to do this season. Now, I don't know if they're going to go through the entire Whisperer's encounter in this half season and it be done by the end of the season. I would hate to see that, but mm-hmm. at the same, and this is something we talked about before uh, on this podcast is especially with the saviors and, you know, the war, mm-hmm. it did feel very rushed. Yeah. And, you know, that it's kind of, they've, they've been known to do that. I mean, we built up, this uh terminus for an entire year and then we get one episode in terminus and then we move on i wouldn't be surprised if that did happen so well we do have a new showrunner so maybe she'll be willing to let things germinate i would much prefer even though as a viewer i would hate it and i'm doing air quotes when i say hate it Mm -hmm. because hate it but love it the masochistic story uh storyteller in me the the person who enjoys story to to a painful degree i would love for them to have some sort of cliffhanger at the end of the Mm -hmm. of this and make us wait to find out what's going to happen next season Mm -hmm. i would love the heck out of that i think that uh, even though they've done it in the past and it's bit them on the behinds when they did Mm -hmm. it because the way that they did it i'm thinking with a new showrunner maybe she'll have some patience because this is just too good to rush yeah this is a a situation i want to see savored i want to live with this for a while this will be good (laughs) because i don't want to run into the same problem with the walking dead that they've run into in game of thrones where they have gone past the novels. Yeah. And so uh, they've had to come up with their source material. Right. Yeah. And not saying that the writers of The Walking Dead couldn't come up with some new stuff, but I think it's just having that source material to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And of course, give it your own tweaks. But yeah, I mean, it's just such a good, uh, the thing with The Whispers is so good. It's just so, it's so good and so rich and there's so much stuff going on. I mean, some of it is not going to happen because a lot of it has to do with Carl. Mm-hmm. And he's not there anymore. There's a possibility that that Ezekiel and uh, Carol's son mm-hmm. 
that he might take over for that role. So okay. you could bring it back, which I think would be awesome. You don't think Judith would fall into that role? No. Okay. I'm not saying that you couldn't have a, a deep story with a, a young girl. The story that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. in the comics, I think, would need to play off that way. Okay. So, and like I said, I don't want to go into any details because, it, well, number one, it may not happen. At the, but if it does, then it turns into a spoiler and don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it will make things interesting. Let's just say it will make things uh, interesting if they go down this road. And it'll be one of those things that I think allowed uh, the Whisperer storyline in particular to develop and grow past what you might think would be capable in this storyline. It expands, it complicates the storyline in a really fascinating way. And it'd be cool to see them develop it. And I think because that, that young actor, the fact that they're doing stuff with his character, that they're kind of putting a backstory behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing with him and Enid and that not working out and him getting into trouble. Right. I really think that maybe they're setting that character up for some, a bit of a story arc. Yep. And it might be that, like I said, what they, they did with Carl in the comics. It, Carl, they've been splitting up his stuff between other characters. Uh, his interactions with Negan in the comics, of course, taken over by Judith. Right. And so I think that's where Judith is going to really develop uh, in the storyline is going to be maybe her and Negan. Now, there was yeah, a. But we're going to have to wait on that because right now Negan is back in Kansas with his sons. Tonight is the 300th episode of Supernatural. Oh, yeah. Okay, you can go on now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming that you got that recorded so you can watch it. I don't. I don't have any kind of. I might get the app or something later. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, 300 episodes. And what's the season 13? 13 right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that show just will not quit. Will or, I'm it? sorry. It might be. I think it's 14 because they got renewed for their 15th season. Yep. Season 14. Yeah, it just, it, it, that doesn't quit. Nope. So, <laughs> you know, eventually I'm going to have to watch this show, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to have to catch up. But take you a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be one of those, you know, lock the door, mm-hmm. you know, call in a pizza and, and uh, spend a month, I think. Yep. As you know, <laughs> biggest binge ever. But now, of course, Sunday we will. Um, Walking Dead comes back to the to the TV, and we'll get to see that uh, that first episode that uh, set up, and see where they go from there. And we'll definitely be here to talk about it when it happens. So. Yep. And with that said, we come to the end of episode fifty five of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.